0: Welcome back to Geniuses, Poets and Artists, The Improv Company's podcast. Today, for episode 13, we have with us Bavani. Hi Bhavani.
1: Hi
2: Kim. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Had a long week, but it's over now and I can relax.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, uh, as usual, we start every episode with this quick question. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Oh my god.
2: Every time someone asks me who am I, I have this urge to respond to 4601.
0: Ah. ah, a musical fan. Very good.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, hi, I'm Bavani. I am an artist and now improv coach here in Singapore. I guess that's who I am uh-huh. on a very base level.
0: You say artist. What yes. does that mean?
2: Like visual art, illustrations, um, yeah, doodles, comics... Prints, stickers, Mm -hmm. digital downloads, that kind of thing.
0: Okay, so how long have you been an uh, artist?
1: Hmm.
2: It took me some time to classify myself as an artist, Mm -hmm. mostly because of imposter syndrome and the like, which is a fun thing to have, especially as a creative. And I'm sure every creative has that one. But I've been drawing for as long as I can remember, pretty much. But it's mostly all self-taught stuff. I only classified myself as a proper artist like probably two years ago.
0: What made the change?
2: I think I finally realized that me not acknowledging who I am was annoying and I should stop doing that. Yeah.
0: Okay, it'll be like Adi saying, oh, I, I dance a little bit.
2: Yeah, I dance a little bit. Like, ah, oh, yeah, I draw sometimes. It's not like that- it takes up 90% of my life right now.
0: Okay. Ninety percent, that's a lot. That's like I assume excluding out of sleeping time.
2: No, it's like I draw in my sleep. Actually I do sometimes have dreams where I'm drawing like something yeah. really incredible and then I wake up and I really can't recreate it oh. at all and oh. it's it's very depressing. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay. So ninety percent of your I assume waking hours drawing. That's crazy. Like what kind of stuff do you like drawing? Is there a particular genre, a style, like or like topic? Mm.
2: I'd say I'm definitely still discovering my style. Mm -hmm. It started leaning towards like the impressionist, Van Gogh kind of situation sometime earlier this year. Mm -hmm. But it's mostly like just illustration work. Um, Any personal stuff is usually about, say, mental illness or just my general experiences. Ah. But other half of the time, I'm doing commissions for you guys, drawing sexy chickens and all that.
0: Ah, yes. Yes, that's right. Uh, That... So if, uh, if you guys aren't aware, Bavani is the artist who created the, uh, the art for our upcoming show, the R18 Weekend at the substation. Uh, if you haven't already checked it out, it's basically this light purple background, a lighting kind of thing going on, where a, 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 raw, a de-feathered chicken uh, is lounging. And she's this chicken, she, I'm assuming it's a she, it could be anything. Actually, it's got a comb. So it's probably a he. It's a drag queen. It. Oh yes, because it's also got like some mink thing going mm-hmm. around around the neck. It's got one of those cigarettes in a cigarette holder, and it's kind of lounging with this really thick uh, butt going on. It's it's quite evocative, I'd say. Quite quite, really, it's got this mood thing going on.
2: Yeah, I managed to confuse my like confuse my Pinterest board a lot because I had um burlesque open in one tab mm. and steaming roasted chicken open in another tab and my pinterest is just like what do you want man really mm. what do you want
0: <laughs> um, no no algorithm is going to go like yes these two these two things I, i've got exactly what you want but i guess in the future if at any point some, some someone else somewhere needs both, you're going to come up it's it's going to pop up and people like ah
2: i'm just imagining what you have to google to arrive at my page
0: <laughs> okay, Uh, if you haven't already gotten tickets for the r weekend It promises to be a, a quite the exciting weekend Uh, Depending on where you're sitting Whether you're sitting in the hallowed halls of government Or if you're thinking, hey, what could I do as an artist in Singapore Uh, And maybe tow a line or not tow a line, it depends So go check that out Uh, In the meantime, yes, let's, uh, let's keep going So yes, Uh, well I mean it counts if people are paying you for your art You're basically a professional artist
2: Yeah, pretty much yeah. now, yeah
0: very cool. Very cool. And improv
2: is art, so definitely been doing that for a long time as well. So. Yes,
0: not. I, mean, I guess no one really says, "Oh, improv is a visual art necessarily." It's more, mostly consider it like more of a theater thing, mm-hmm. or maybe an audio thing. But no one goes like, "Oh, visual." I'm an improviser, and you know, I'm. That's my visual art kind of thing. Does that? Um, I guess we'll get to that later. But usually, I ask people, if improv like affects people's art. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. Like I mentioned. Um, very good. Very good. How did you get started with improv?
2: Aha, it's so like pretty much the same way Adi did. Um, so like, it's been eight years now, mm-hmm. 2013. So picture the scene, a dingy basement room in the Center for the Arts at NUS
1: mm.
2: and the whiff of cheap aircon coolant in the air. Mm-hmm. And basically, my friend sent me a Facebook message going, oh, they're doing this thing, it's called improv. Uh, I think you like it. You were saying that you like whose line Do you want to go. And then just walked in, I met you, and then I guess the rest is history.
0: Do you remember, other than, um, I guess, Adi, like who else was around at that point? Was it the schemers? Was it, like, someone else?
2: I definitely remember Luke joining a lot of our sessions. Mm. And I remember very distinctly learning game from him. Mm. Yeah. I remember this very clearly. It was... Um, it was not at CFA, but it was in a di- different building. I forgot exactly which building, somewhere in FAST. But I remember that session when he taught us about game, and mm-hmm. I, f- I remember finding it so mind-blowing at the time. Kim's giving my cat scritches. Hi, Kevin. And yes, Kevin's my cat. Oh. She's actually named after Kevin Lowe. Yes. Uh, hi, Kevin, <laughs> if you're listening to this. We wanted to give her an improv name. We almost, very almost named her Kim Tan Then we realised Oh, well, this would be slightly more good. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit You're stroking her butt, so yeah, probably Hello.
0: Uh, yeah, very friendly cat So bad podcasts are such an audio medium Because this cat, like the meows I've gotten so far Have been like a tiny squeak
2: Yes <laughs> Oh,
0: where are you going? Okay, sorry uh, So I realised that if you are listening to this You're not really getting a whole lot of this But rest assured that I am getting plenty of cat time uh, Not my own cat, this is someone else's cat Which is quite different uh, awesome. So, uh, in that time, so you started, I guess, with with us at NUS in the improbable days, and um, after that, what happened? What was your journey like?
2: Hmm. Well, I just remember like go, coming into that room and being like, oh, you know, you know what? Let me just try it out. I don't think I'll have the time for it because I was studying architecture at the time, uh, yes. and it, I'm sure you remember how miserable it made me. Mm-hmm. But then I remember thinking, oh, my God, I actually feel good here. I mm. feel happy. I feel validated here. So I just kept coming back.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'd say my relationship with improv has evolved a bit after that mm. since then. Mm. But I would also admit that I've not had the healthiest relationship with improv. Oh, OK. Yeah. I think for a while, there, like because of having such an accepting community and it being so different from what I was used to. Mm-hmm it became a source of pure validation for me and I kind of became addicted to it.
1: Oh, okay. okay. And
2: even even as recent as, say, the 2019 Manila Festival, 2019. where I did, I think I did like six shows in four days and by the end, I think we were both at the collage show at the end, I I started blacking out as the stage lights dimmed you know the whole like there was a they had a thing that would drop on your head with phantom of the opera singing like music at the one minute mark i think it was a Winnie the pooh pinata Mm. and i distinctly remember it dropping and we were like using that as a prop and my the peripheries of my vision just went black I I was, yeah, I think that was my limit. I realized that, okay, that is my limit with improv. So, six shows in four days. Six shows in four (laughs) days. Two back-to-back. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay. So, has it gotten better?
2: Definitely. Uh, I think over the pandemic, I really started evaluating my relationship with improv. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially since I was definitely missing it a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And... I was like, okay, why do I miss this? Then I went down this whole introspective journey where I realized why I was doing improv. And then I also realized that I don't need to do improv that much also, Mm. you know, to get that kind of validation I crave. I need to kind of build it from inside. So I started kind of, um, how to say, regulating my improv dosage now. Yeah. So uh, fewer shows, definitely. I did leave IITSG because I think they're doing fine without me. That's okay. that's part of it. But I was also getting burnt out. Mm-hmm. Directing is very different from just playing. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you say that? Mm? What makes you say that?
2: I mean, you're, you're smirking. You A little you, bit.
0: Little bit. Really, I want to hear <laughs> your point of view.
2: Right. I guess it, it feels like you're taking on a lot of responsibility for a show going well. And I think because at the time when I became director of IITSG, um, the rest of the team didn't have as much experience. Mm -hmm. So not only was I directing, I was also kind of teaching them improv Mm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it became a little too much after a while because there was a lot of responsibility. There was a a lot of pressure. And I wasn't enjoying it as much as I would have liked to, especially with a team as fun as that one. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay. So it's like, okay, maybe if I just step back, I might enjoy it a lot more, and that's basically what's happening.
0: Okay. Okay. So what are you doing these days, improv wise?
2: Improv wise, uh, other than just doing shows with TCP and the Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. team, I'm also teaching improv now. Thanks, mm. thanks for that. Yes. I've been loving it so far. Mm-hmm. I'm currently on my third cohort. I'm taking my second and third cohort this month. Mm. And I'm really enjoying it. I didn't realize just how much fun it would be to teach newcomers improv. Mm. Like, when I started teaching IITSG, of course, they had some knowledge of it. So it was more like, okay, I'm going to teach them storytelling. I'm mm-hmm, going to teach mm-hmm. them, like, theater stuff. But seeing, like, people who did not know anything about improv come in... And them loving it and them really getting into it. And I've had a couple of them just come up to me and say, I've started yes-anding people
0: a lot more now. Nice, nice,
2: nice. In their everyday life. And that felt so good to hear. And I'm really, really liking it.
0: Okay. For a little bit of context, listeners, uh, Bhavani joined uh, the improv company as a coach. uh, Well, like she said, two batches. uh, well, uh, Well, maybe eight weeks ago. April, yeah. Yes. So, uh, this is June, about so I- 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 yeah, two months ago and she's already teaching a third class and uh, she's been doing our level one classes. So, you know, if you are listening to this and you think, hey, maybe a friend could do some uh, wholesome teaching of improv, uh, you know, come ch- check us out and uh, see what we can do for you. Uh, we are at improv.sg. All right. Now, moving on. Great. It's great to hear that you're taking the teaching so well.
2: Yeah. Um, I always knew I was going to like it mm-hmm. just because of my experience from before. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that I definitely like teaching adults a lot more than teaching kids. Mm-hmm. I used to teach art for kids. Oh, well, you did? Yeah. I, I took a gig when I the first time around when I was unemployed because I am a non-essential artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took up like a mini teaching job at this art studio that also combined as a yoga studio. No. And mm. one of the prerequisites was I was supposed to attend one of the yoga classes. And they were like, oh, it's okay. It's going to be very light. It's going to be very chill. And I couldn't move for two days after that class. That was fun. But the range of kids I had to teach ranged from like 5 to 13. And it was very, very difficult because kids are annoying. <laughs> yeah, kids no, are There's annoying. a lot of energy, yeah. 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 And especially with kids as young as like 4 or 5, mm-hmm. what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. One of them just started crying mm-hmm. halfway through the class. And I was like, No okay. reason
0: that you could discern that as you...
2: No, yeah, nothing I did, definitely. Right. They just, I think they were just like, the mom just like tossed the kid unceremoniously into the class and then like just went out the window almost. So, I mean, I get why she did that. Mm-hmm. But then now the I'm stuck with this child who wants his mom and I don't know what to do.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: So that was not fun. But teaching adults, especially adults who are open to learning improv,
1: mm-hmm.
2: is a lot more fun. Uh, Of course there are like difficulties and everything in the process You still have to explain things, you still have to break things down But I think it's easier to do that when they can actually listen to you
0: Mm. Well it's a different style right So uh, actually John has been teaching our first ever kids classes Mm -hmm. uh, as of Monday Mm -hmm. So he did a full four day thing Apparently they're really happy and some of them are even going to do it again Oh nice! Yeah, which is uh, which is great for us because, like you know, the improv company has actually not really done kids things uh, mm. in the 8th or so years since we, we started. You know, people have been saying, hey, you should do that. You should do it. You should go to kids. Uh, you know, parents have money. They want to teach their kids something useful. Why not improv?
2: They probably want to like send their kids away for a little while, just you know, and relax at home.
0: That's pro- well. This is uh, actually the summer holiday so this is pro- definitely part of that uh, mm. that equation. Um but for us we're also finding that yeah, below thirteen is a little bit hard, but we're doing the thirteen to eighteen age group because they're kind of like almost adults at this point, mm. And you can still, you know, have that conversation and say, Hey, what do you want to learn? Here I can engage with you as a as a human being. Yeah. Oh uh, you know not I'm not saying that you can't engage with uh, sub thirteens as uh I as find that
2: funny. Like, that we're having such a hard time teaching kids improv when improv started for kids. Like, it started as theatre exercises for children, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, it did, it did. A, I guess it's also reflective of our own kind of shortcomings in terms of, like, how do we engage with kids? Because kids can play. Yeah. Why do we need to teach kids how to play? But adults have forgotten how to play. And so mm-hmm. that's why we're coming in uh, from that angle, saying, hey, uh, you're an adult now. Uh, this is how we can play. Mm-hmm. And for the adults, they're like, what? What? I- this is, I've not done this for decades. Oh. Uh, whereas the kids are like, I'm playing,
2: yay. Yeah, that's fun. I think the hardest time I've had with teaching classes for adults is that whole embrace failure thing. Hmm. Like, when I, even when I write it on the board, I can see the pupils of their eyes dilate. Yeah. They're just like, what do you expect us to do? You know, The, the word failure just strikes fear every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that was definitely like the biggest challenge, is to get people to just chill. Like, there are no consequences here; it's fine.
0: Okay, okay, great. That's wonderful that uh, you're taking to that. This is awesome. Uh, of course, if we are, if you're thinking about any point offering another workshop about something else a bit more specialized, then. Uh, you know 101 then mm-hmm. uh, you know talk, come talk to us and yeah definitely been thinking
2: about that mm. just not had the bandwidth at sure. all to yeah, I know. Life, flesh life. it out mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I definitely want to do like a storytelling and improv workshop by using mm-hmm. like storytelling tools to make your improv better mm-hmm. because I've been doing a lot of that theory mm-hmm. with IITSG as well as like kind of sneaking it into my 101 classes as well oh. because I'm just I just like this stuff. So I was like, okay, fun fact. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to write a complex character, think about wants and needs. Uh-huh. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, so, wants and needs, what, what do you mean by that?
2: Meaning, like, um, a character want versus a character need. Mm-hmm. In, mostly you see it, like, in if you see it in movies, it's like, the, the want is that external thing that the character thinks that if they acquire it, their life is complete. hmm and the need is what they actually need. It's very psychological. If you like psychoanalyze your character, it's like, oh, I want the candy in the store as uh-huh. a kid. But then what they really need is like parental validation, right? And when the, want conflicts with, uh, when the want clashes with the need, that's where you have conflict. And you have internal conflict. So these kind of things, like, I find these things really interesting. So mm-hmm. I would love to do a workshop about it. Okay, okay,
0: okay. Yeah, sounds fascinating, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, excellent. So, beyond that, uh, so that that could be something we can uh, pursue later. I think storytelling. You know, theatre, improv, all these are quite in, closely interlinked. I do encourage people generally to find other art forms as well to, mm-hmm. you know, to figure out what else, especially for improvisers, when they're saying, oh, I've done the basic stuff, I've done some short form, I've kind of hit a bit of plateau, then what's the next thing? And usually I say, hey, go think about theatre, think about storytelling, think about art, uh, you know, whether it's visual or music or dance or something, because mm-hmm. all those things have an impact on the way we get out on stage and improvise. Yeah. and. Uh, having that curiosity about the world around you is always going to make you a better improviser. Yeah. Exactly. Well, also a better person, I think. If you are not curious about the world around you, you are closing yourself off from so many different um, you know possibilities.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so storytelling is one. Uh, very good. So, what is your favorite improv thing?
2: Hmm. I actually have been thinking about it since like the previous episodes when he asked people about it Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of people say the community but i think my favorite improv thing is yes and Mm -hmm. definitely because it is from that yes and that you get such an accepting community right Mm -hmm. like the idea of it i acknowledge your idea it's great and here i'm adding to it and using that just in everyday life as well is such a good Like, it's such an improvement to your life, generally. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I found my life definitely improving by just, okay, I acknowledge the stuff that's happening to me. Because a lot of people just don't want to acknowledge or accept. Especially if these are not good things, you know, that are happening to you. But acknowledging it is half the battle, I think. Mm -hmm. And the other half is, okay, what do we do next? And, and now what? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. And it makes other people feel heard. It made me feel heard when I first came. So, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, yes and is definitely my favorite thing. I have it tattooed on my wrist. You do? (laughs) You do? You
0: actually do? Yeah. Okay. Okay. How does it compare to the other two? Like, principles that we teach here at TIC?
2: I mean, sure, those two are also great. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, making your partner look good and embracing failure. But I think those two can also be derived from the first one, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you acknowledge your partner and you acknowledge that the idea is great, mm. you're already making them look good, right? And saying yes to the thing puts you at risk of failure. So, I feel like they're derivative mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And as long as you keep that yes and in mind, you have you have all these possibilities.
0: Okay, okay. So, you're saying that yes and goes back to first principles. Then when people say, oh, I love the community or oh, I love this other thing. That, because that all those are only enabled by the idea of yes and being there in first place and allowing us to say, hey, you know what, there's these things that have been put out whether it's an idea, a show, a group, whatever it is, and then we are saying, hey, how can we make this better together?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, to a point where we are absolutely incorrigible in group chats.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Every improviser group chat is basically, hey, let's do this thing, and then uh, yes, a few let's. bits to follow at the very least. Mm. Uh, if su- Hopefully, someone does come in with a, uh, the end and... and that is, uh, you know, related to the actual thing in question and not just a, here's a meme or here's, yeah. a, here's a a pun or something. But, you know, but their energy is so positive and giving and uh, everyone's, uh, you know, willing to take it on board up to a point, you know, where, yeah. uh, and then sometimes run away with it. Uh, were you at any point in the uh, questions only group chat?
2: No, I avoided that one, like the plague.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that got really... I don't know where it is now Um, So at one point I think Hamza Started a group Uh, I encouraged them To do that Because at at, at a point it was like Let's yes and the fact That not everyone Loves questions only Mm -hmm. uh, In a whatsapp form Yeah (laughs) And let's uh, Let's divert that Into a place Where the people Who like it Can have it And the people Who don't like it Don't need to have it
2: Yeah exactly I was just like Yeah sure I acknowledge that You guys like question only And I'm not gonna participate
0: (laughs) Yeah Which is fine I think that's a big part Of yes and Because Oh, yes, and can sometimes mean saying no. Yeah. When someone asks you to do something or it goes past your boundaries or ask, it's more than energy or bandwidth than you have, then you can say no because that's self-care and that's keeping... We look at the long game, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's only one of us, but there's a lot of improv. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunities, right? So if we say yes to every opportunity, we burn out or we get tired or we say, you know, regret mm-hmm. at some point.
2: Yeah, which is definitely what was happening to me like mm-hmm. in 2019, 2018... Because of what I said earlier, right? I would just say yes to everything because mm-hmm. it gave me that. I would get a hit of dopamine every time I yesed something and I would go on stage and it was a good feeling. Right. And it still is a good feeling, but I also acknowledge that I was burning out very, very quickly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was not the kind of relationship I wanted to have with improv. I wanted it to be there and it'll always be there. I can always come back. It's not going to crumble without me You
0: okay. know Yeah Right I suppose And also how you engage with it Affects your relationship with it Because it's not just If you do too much of it And if it's a bit too Kind of unconsidered Then it gets a bit like You know uh, What what, what are we doing with this Whereas if you are Taking things that you really want to do That improves the overall quality Of your You know Your interactions Yeah The average exactly. quality of those interactions Rather mm-hmm. Okay Uh Wonderful, so uh, let's see uh, Yes, and I, I love it too uh, I don't have a tattoo But then I don't have any tattoos Because I, at some point I know I, the, My basic reason behind that Is I just want to go back to Japan At some point Hop into an onsen And apparently some of them Don't like tattoos
1: Yeah,
2: they don't uh,
0: well, I, I think but,
2: they're okay If you cover them up actually
0: Yeah yeah, I, I might at some point but I don't know what to I mean it seems so you know, permanent And as an as a, as a inveterate uh, improviser like, I like being non-committal to things I'm like, I'll I'll say yes to this briefly and then move on.
2: Fair enough. I I think I've started treating my tattoos as snapshots of my life. Mm -hmm. If you think of it that way, like even if you regret stuff, Mm. like I do have a Harry Potter tattoo and I do not condone any of J.K. Rowling's shenanigans. Mm -hmm. They are affecting people and I don't like that at all. But I acknowledge that at that time, Mm -hmm. it helped me. Harry Potter was a big source of happiness in my life at that time.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So... I treat, yeah, I treat my tattoos as snapshots and, and after a while they stop, I mean, they're still meaningful, but you stop considering, you don't take that long to pick a tattoo. Mm. You know how the first one is like, oh, it's right. my child, I have to pick <laughs> this well. But the third one, I was like, oh, there's a, there's a picture of a peach, it looks like a butt, I'm going to get it tattooed.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, I was, I was going to ask if you designed your own tattoos.
2: I designed one of them, which uh-huh. is my Harry Potter tattoo. Um, the other was not really. Cause was just yes, and is just text. Yeah. Yeah. And the well, you third mean you one... You can design text.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah, sure. I actually, I did design it. Uh-huh. And the funniest thing is I realized after I got the tattoo that it looked exactly like those Yas and t-shirts that they were giving out in Manila. Uh-huh. If you remember those, yes. like we bought yes. those. And the text is exactly the same. And I did not realize that I was just pretty much copying it without ah, realising it.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah.
2: And then I remember I was wearing the t- t-shirt one day and I looked at my tattoo and I was like, ah, I was right. looking down at my shirt. Ah, uh, that's where it came from. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. But the peaches one wasn't... Uh, I don't
2: have a peaches tattoo. Um, yet, oh, you know. yet. But yet. the point is like... <laughs> yet.
0: I, I, yeah, I thought you were being literal about this. No,
2: no, no. <laughs> no, 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 not yet. But meaning that I don't like, currently my tattoos are still very, very meaningful, but I just take less time to consider getting one.
0: Sure. Yeah. Or like, well, maybe now you can consider getting one with a with peach. Yeah,
2: uh, actually. That, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> I don't mind.
0: <laughs> right. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, there's, uh, for uh, the listeners who aren't aware, there's actually a tattoo parlor right below the Tim Pro company. It's been around for about four years now. Uh, I have stepped in once to say hello to our new neighbor and then never again because I'm not good at neighbors generally.
2: I, I keep scaring the new, like, students because they see the tattoo and then they're like, oh, like, do you have to get that? And well, I
0: was at like, level 15.
2: <laughs> I was like, yeah, you finish 201 before your your you showcase, you all go of. together, <laughs> get tattoos.
0: Yeah, otherwise, you you can't continue, right? You yeah. have to flash it, your tattoo at the, the doorman and then be like, uh-huh, welcome to the inner sanctum.
2: Yeah, you actually use it to check in now, like, it's a trace together. Yeah,
0: a little barcode. Yeah, I feel like as some some fundamentalist Christian cult, cults like that's a uh, that's a mark of the beast or you know there's the apocalypse coming. Uh,
2: <laughs> every everything goes into cult territory if you try hard enough.
0: Well, every yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, Kool Aid it was just a soft drink, mm-hmm. and you know now it's also a, a cultural symbol. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, while we're on the way of cults, is there anything else that you feel this kind of level of enthusiasm about, aside from, uh, I guess, visual art and improv? Mm,
2: I do like video games a lot. Oh. um, I think the visual art, liking the visual art definitely adds to that, right? So if a video game is beautiful, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to play it as well, mm-hmm. because the visuals just inspire. Mm. It's not just like oh I I enjoy playing the game sure but this one also inspires so I put it away after I'm done and I go and draw something
0: oh okay okay
2: I mean I, yeah I tried drawing the Hades characters but ah. I'm I'm having an art block so fun
0: okay yeah oh art block that, that reminds me I was gonna ask if you know you've done improv for somewhere about eight. Eight years now? Eight ten years? Eight years, yeah. Eight years. This August. Um, and I guess that overlaps your artistic period as well. I guess some of that was as an architect, some of it was as a, your own personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, has improv influenced your visual art practice in any way?
2: Yeah, actually. Um, in that I'm not married to my ideas anymore.
0: hmm
2: I'm more open to experimenting, more open to just sitting down with a blank page and being like, okay, let's see where this takes me. Mm-hmm. Before, I used to be very precious with my ideas, especially especially if you're precious with the ideas and you go through architecture school, it will destroy you. They mm-hmm. tend to beat it out of you in a not a very healthy way because it's like you go there, it's your final project, you worked your ass off, you stayed up till 3 a.m., you know, injuries. There are proper Aki archi- injuries that a, a friend of mine got, I
0: got. Injuries, like... physical ones
2: yeah I sliced a piece of my finger off trying to make a model and I my first thought it was like three in the morning my first thought was save the model don't drop blood all over it and I literally had to you know I I had to send an email to my professor saying hey I sliced a piece of my finger off and they're like oh we'll give you one day MC but you still have to submit it on time fun Aki school was fun yeah, if you remember all the venting I did mm. during the sessions, there was a lot of venting, there was a lot of hoedowns downs that ended with, you know, explicit expletives and architecture in the same sentence. Fun. Okay,
0: okay. So, architecture is not a future career path at no? Not at, at all. Point, no. no, no. no, no.
2: I, I honestly, after I graduated, I haven't really looked at it closely. I guess. I'm not averse to using those skills, Mm -hmm. but in a more like say visual development kind of situation, Um, like especially for animation and stuff, you don't have to worry about real world physics. You can go crazy with it. The building
0: architecture, you do need to be aware of that.
2: Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, (laughs) apparently these buildings need to stay up. What a (laughs) force! Yeah. What you you mean to say? I can't allow my building to cave in, killing everyone inside. What? What's
0: load bearing? I don't understand.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, in a way that you know, like the building design can also inform the story and can inform the character choices and mm-hmm. everything. So mm-hmm. that definitely does appeal to me a lot more.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, improv basically allowed you to go like say oh you know murder your babies and you can just move on to the next thing.
2: Yeah, not quite so literally, but yes, metaphorically. Yeah. As, not only that, though, actually, because a lot of the improv scenes we ended up doing
0: mm-hmm.
2: have inspired stuff. Um, stuff that I haven't drawn out yet, but they're all like in the backlog of sketches and thumbnails in my sketchbook. Mm-hmm. I remember very distinctly a particular scene we did as, um, as TCP. It was rehearsal. And we did a, a, a story spine set about imaginary friends. And, uh, like, I think my character and Asher's character were the only two adults with imaginary friends, where my imaginary friend, who was Imran, uh, was like, why do you still have me around? While Asher's one was manipulative and toxic. And was like, oh, you don't need anyone else. So I remember that set being so good in a way that we kind of explored world mechanics mm-hmm. of how the... um how the imaginary friends thing work, like who can see your imaginary friends, that kind of thing, as well as tell a very, very human story about attachment and loss and and loneliness. And it, the fact that I can still remember it, it happened mm-hmm. a few, quite a few years ago in rehearsal, so there's no record of it. I still think like, oh, maybe I can make something out of that, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Okay. So is, I mean, that's, that's improv, right? It's very ephemeral. I think a lot of people... Um, you know, you have these breakthrough moments or these things that really stay with you, but because of the nature of the art, it goes and it disappears. But it, it still allows us to be creative and to create all these stories in a, in a quick way. Like we can keep generating new ideas, new stories. And uh, just, you know, because of the power of that, right? We yeah. have a team that we are able to do that. And sometimes it's about trying to revisit that moment of, oh, we, can, we did this thing. Um, but sometimes you don't have that for months or years. And then once... Suddenly, one day at practice, you're like... you seen.
2: Yeah, it's always practice. So there's like zero record of the thing. It just exists in your memory.
0: Yeah, or shows that you don't... Uh, weren't recorded, of course, right? Um, the few that are, you're like, oh, it's, it's so rare. Mm-hmm. that it happens. Yeah.
2: yeah. I also think... Um, improv made me realize that I'm definitely a very collaborative person. Mm-hmm. I thought I hated group projects, for example, or I hated just other people in general. But... I get some of my best, best ideas when we are kind of brainstorming together or riffing ideas off of each other. Mm-hmm. So improv made definitely made me realize that as well.
0: Okay. Uh, I noticed on the way in that you have some uh, paintings on your dinner table.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and Parag was saying that like, one you get uh, between the two of you, you did one each and then you collaborated on the third one.
2: Yeah. we uh, It's abstract. So we were just like, okay, let's just do something and see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun because I could play with paint after a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then we just like put up the third canvas on an easel and we just both took brushes and we just like, hey, let's just do something and see where it goes. Mm. And that was really fun to do. It's a lot of playing, a lot of, co- yeah, it is three paintings. One is like half-half. We did it together.
0: Was it like a specific half or was it like just
2: No, no. It, it, the idea was that we did the painting together. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Do you normally do collaborative uh, visual art pieces?
2: No. Uh, as much as I say I like collaboration, I don't know a lot of artists, especially here.
0: Uh-huh.
2: I've started slowly getting to know people, which mm-hmm. is great. I think mostly because um, like Aki School didn't really instill me with the confidence to go approach other designers. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't a very healthy environment for collaboration. I'll just put it that way. That's probably the (laughs) nicest thing I can say about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So it took me some time to be just okay with asking people for help going and, hey, do you want to brainstorm? Mm -hmm. So recently we've started doing these art jams with a few friends, a few Parag friends who he introduced me to them. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing art jams. So quite recently we actually did a jam about stealing eggs and luring chickens and I drew, like, a bunch of storyboards about amassing a chicken army. It was really fun.
0: Okay. Okay, sounds fun. Yeah, there's uh, different ways of approaching uh, your practice. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Have you thought about doing a solo improv thing?
2: I probably will hate it. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> lot of the fun parts of improv is doing it with someone else, mm-hmm. you know. Even if it's just a duo, mm-hmm. which I've also en- really enjoyed doing. I've been, I've done a few duos in the past, and it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. I don't like being by myself mm-hmm. on stage,
1: okay
2: as long as like I get at least vocal support you know like sound effects or something from off stage uh-huh. I, mean, I definitely think I can hold my own, but I don't want to do it right yeah
0: okay okay. Have you tried it? no okay I yeah. haven't tried curious it. yes because that's uh you know that's something we've seen a lot of duos of you know three small groups in Singapore, uh, we've seen massive groups as well, right uh, the groups tend to be. Quite large Because people like Because a group It's safety in numbers uh, What we don't see In Singapore A lot of is solo work It's pretty rare Like off the top of my head I don't really recall Anyone doing that uh, Which is interesting We see a lot of stand-up there's, Stand-up is quite A different form Obviously But um, group stand-up Is also quite rare So I guess It's a interesting Little dichotomy there and Because mm-hmm. you were saying That you like The collaborative aspect of it At the same time As an improviser There's also a lot of um, Self-management going on Because yeah. You know, until you don't, until you hit the the fifteenth inner sanctum of the improv circle, you don't get to unify in uh, telepathy uh, mind. I'm kidding. There's no real thing. So if you're if you're thinking, can I get that? You can't get that. It's not a real thing. Uh,
2: (laughs) I I would argue that um, you do. I guess it's more like people become more predictable. After mm. a while, mm. if you played with people long enough, right? Like, mm. play with P- TCP long enough, we kind of know what kind of ideas are going to come out during a set, uh-huh. which I don't know is not necessarily a good thing, also.
1: Mm.
2: But we also pick up on like body cues and body language. I remember when I was doing duo with Abi, uh, when we were doing the AB Devils, like, I would just know when he had an idea because his eyes would light up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was not something that we rehearsed or something that we spoke about, it was just we knew. And then we would go on and do the set and I'd be like, okay, he has an idea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to support.
0: Right. But so I guess even in that you mentioned there's possibly something that's not great about that because if you get too predictable as a group and you start doing the same things over and over again yeah. then that becomes uh, a question of are we really improvising or are we just running through the same patterns over and over again? Yeah, of course. And I guess uh, on on that note, I guess my own personal values as improvise, I would prefer to be are these slightly unpredictable mm-hmm. or to be able to make choices that are beyond the top like three or four that I'm always making all the time
2: yeah yeah definitely for sure i guess it's more like even if uh, the people you play with are become unpredictable mm-hmm. or are unpredictable in certain shows you know them enough to completely trust that this is going to be okay right yeah yeah i mean we had carl around he's mm-hmm. the most chaotic person i've ever met mm-hmm. And the shows are fine. Like, we trusted him to do something. I guess he was predictably unpredictable.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, you, would, you, you could predict at the very least that he had good intentions. Yes, exactly. Which is not always the case, right? You can't always trust yeah, yeah. anyone to do that.
2: I mean, that's where the yes and comes in or the embracing failures. or like, uh-huh. We just have to do it and see how... One of that on a t-shirt, do it and see how la <laughs> Um...
0: I guess on I guess my my broader note was more like uh, as as an improviser, how do you keep, uh, say make bringing your best self forward to the stage or to the practice room, mm-hmm. because that's the self thing, right? That's not a even if you know like you say TCB, you've been working for them six seven years. Mm. Um, at the same time, if you come in and you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm in a really shitty state or I'm not going to try my hardest today or, or something along those lines, right? Or I'm going to be a dick today. Yeah. Then that's a disservice to your fellow players. But how do we manage that? How do you manage that?
2: Um, I guess I just trust them to, to have my back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when I am having off days and I do have those Quite a bit especially during the pandemic i just um try to be as present as possible but i usually just take the role of support and mm-hmm. i don't i don't really come in with any ideas i think and i trust that my teammates would be able to pick up slack because I know I will do it for them whenever okay. they are having an off day Okay,
0: I mean that seems like a very wholesome uh, general way of looking at that uh, assuming that the group is able to come on board with their sort of thinking of mm-hmm. you know uh, holding each other up as much as we can
2: Yeah I think it takes time definitely especially mm-hmm. like initially when there's a lot of a um, lot of fear still around feeling in improv uh-huh. and uh, that's when you don't you're too afraid to fail to even pick up someone else's quote unquote failing Mm -hmm. and I've never seen that in newer teams teams I've been a part of Uh, it takes time to build that trust definitely right obviously you can still do great scenes with people you just met but that also takes years of just unconditionally yes ending
0: okay uh in, with your own, I guess, uh, I guess, a broader question as well related to the last thing, uh, it's about your own growth as an improviser. I think you mentioned, uh, at least with regards to storytelling, something you've had an interest in and you've been studying and trying to figure out uh, both for teaching IIT as well as for yourself. Uh, is there any other way that you co- uh, continue your journey of growth as an improviser?
2: Um, I learn a lot just by teaching. How's that? Because it gives me an insight into how different people think. Mm-hmm. And some and a lot of people think differently from me, right? Not everyone's the same. And it gives me like, oh, a new tool. Oh, this is how they think. Let me try it. Mm. That kind of thing. Um, so this
0: comes out in observing them and debriefs? Like, how do you know that they're thinking in this way?
2: Yeah, through observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing a lot of my learning just generally in life via observation. Mm-hmm. And... I think I've just become decent at picking up
1: subtext.
2: Okay, okay. Uh yeah.
0: So what what my example of something so sort of a different approach that you've seen has been?
2: I wish I could think of something right now. Um I'm completely blanking out. Ah, that's
0: okay. Yeah. That's okay. I mean it just sound curious because as a teacher you I, as, so when I manage coaches, I have certain ways of looking at the idea of improv. But there are definitely different ways that, you know, our, not everyone is going to be 100% exactly the same as your approach. Mm-hmm. And so when coaches say, oh, I'm going to teach the idea of, uh, say, character, and then everyone has a slightly different emphasis. Everyone yeah. has a slightly different like, approach. Their first primary go-to, some might use their body, some might uh, try to do a sense memory thing. There are so many different ways to approach the problem of character. Yeah. Right. Um, so I get that I'm just wondering Is there mm. something that like, Kind of stuck out at you And you're like Oh this is the thing Not really
2: um, mm-hmm. Okay Not really like right now But I've definitely Seen shows where Or seen other people Do improv Or just I, I'm i trying to think I think the Laura and Gail show The Pixar show If you remember that one Sometime I think it was the last show Before the pandemic hit Lasha, the den.
0: Mm, possibly, possibly. Yeah,
2: that one really inspired me because just, just the way they were using their bodies to embody objects and spaces, and really, it was very vivid in my mind. Mm-hmm. Just visualizing that, and I feel like I've not done a lot of justice to improving myself improv wise, especially uh-huh. because I just don't have the time, or sure. it's mm. kind of taken a back seat Mm -hmm. with all the other stuff but i definitely want to explore a lot more of more physical stuff Mm -hmm. just because i'm not the world's fittest person and i do understand that being fit helps doing like it helps you do good improv i've Mm. seen a lot of like whenever you know you see adi on stage or you see like 90sg sahil who's also a dancer right Ah. they're more open about just going like jumping into people's arms or lifting other people up Mm -hmm. Like, quite literally, right? Not just not just in an improv sense. Sure. And I I know... I think that's my goal, is to get so swole mm-hmm. that I just, like, casually pick up, like, Asher and walk out of stage. <laughs> that's a dream, man. That's a dream. <laughs> yeah.
0: no, I'll let Asher know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's definitely lifted me a couple of times. But, but I mean, he does... He actually does powerlifting. Exactly.
0: Right? So, you know. uh, I, I guess as... Um, I mean, I started improvising... Twelve years ago, I was in my mid twenties. Uh, at the time, that you know, the body—I wasn't like massively fit, but I was young yeah. and reasonably durable. And these days, like you know, it's not so much a case. I'm yeah. starting to get to the point when if you ask me to run or sprint across the stage, I won't, because I know that my body can't necessarily do that. There, are, like you know, joint issues and so on. Um, and so, I'm just wondering, like, as and this is something I've seen. I think when I was younger, I would dismiss it, I'd be like, the problem of an older improviser. Yeah, right?
2: and then and then at this age, you're just like, oh my god, my past self was a dick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, as you grow, you know, there are certain things that change. It's like how, I think when I was a kid, I would see old people as slow and dumb because they will speak or move slowly. But honestly, it's not necessarily the case, right? It's because yeah. it's age. Age is age. Age is age. <laughs> your yeah. body, your, your mind starts to get a bit slower because you know, time is taking its toll. Uh, but as, a, uh, as, as you get older as, a, as, as an improviser, then the questions become like, what else can you do to, uh, to accommodate that? You know? yeah. And I, I guess I, I'm in my mid-30s, which uh, by an objective glance is not, is not old. It's just older than I used to be. Yes. Um, at the same time, there's also the problem of ageism improv. We don't get a lot of older people in Singapore, at least, who are doing improv.
2: I mean, you guys kind of started the community, so it's only going to be as old as, I suppose... I mean, there are older people, obviously, in improv, but it's just not a lot, because Mm -hmm. there's also the idea of having to juggle life. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think at the start, I mean, some of our improvisers, they started as kids, you know, and now they are... Now we have Improvisers who are parents, not because they were parents when they started, but because along the way they became parents. Yeah, and that's uh, that's just you know that's just time. Uh, but so I guess um, it impacts on so many different questions, right? Like the idea of diversity in improv, mm. not just racially, but also in terms of economic class, in terms of uh, life circumstances. We don't get a lot of, I say, blue-collar improvisers in Singapore.
2: Yeah, I, I guess you guys are really trying to change that, right? Trying to, yeah, but it's stuff.
0: hard because. Um, I think there's also a question of uh of like who how do we reach people, how do we convince them that it's something they want to do, you know, and so I guess on.
2: it's also like priorities, right? Like, yes,
0: and there's time, right? I, yeah. I think you mentioned several times, you know, that you have only so many hours and energy in a day that you can do things with. Yeah. And as if you are a parent and you have a full blown career going already and someone says, Hey, would you like to spend you know, six hours a week doing improv and like I don't have six hours a week.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I definitely think, though, um, compared to other places, Singapore has a lot more diversity in the improv scene. Just mm. the fact that you can see more than just, like, one female improviser in a team.
0: Usually it's one and a half uh, it is, it is at the average. Yeah. Or, <laughs>
2: like, or honestly, racially as well, mm. we are definitely the most diverse. Like, if you go to Manila and then the Chinese teams are all white. ha <laughs> Right?
0: <laughs> right? Like, right, right. Uh-huh.
2: So... Um, I definitely find it heartening that at least we do have a bit of that diversity. Obviously, there can always be room for improvement. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, because whenever I see posts about, say, like, uh, misogyny and improv Mm -hmm. or like discrimination in that way, it, it makes me really appreciate the Singapore scene a lot more because Mm -hmm. I personally have not faced it. I can't speak for everybody. Sure. But um, I've definitely felt more welcome. And especially when the rest of the country does not really like me for who I am. Mm, mm. Right. So uh, I'm glad that that did not extend to the improv community. Okay, okay. Yeah. I definitely think we can do more for the queer community though. Uh, generally, I remember at some point like while Lynn and I were doing the Rainbow Jam, yep. but then it kind of fizzled out as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can do a lot more with that eventually.
0: Yeah, it's just a it's just a hard question, right? Because you, I mean, there is a perfect state of complete diversity, and I guess in terms of like energy and time and you know, what are we focusing on? Like, I guess in the most recent like one and a half years, we've been foc like the company at least has been focused on uh, survival. Yeah. Right. And then after that, uh, beyond survival, that, oh, what kind of diversity do we want to approach? Because we can't approach them all and still maintain that focus on survival all at once. Mm. So we try to offer some scholarships. So there's a bit of economic diversity. Yeah. Um, the racial one seems okay. We don't get a lot of malaise, for example. Yeah. So that's also kind of a, like, how do we solve that? I don't even know how to begin, yeah. for example. Um, and like LGBT is another question, but like, you know, that's kind of like so many different balls to uh, to juggle. So many different targets to try and hit, uh, while also maintaining things like artistic quality, quality of the coaching, quality of the staff. Uh, trying to fix the dent. Yes. Our floor is new.
2: Yeah, um, I walked in and I realized that everything has been moved, and it took me five minutes to find the duster and then the temperature. Ah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah.
0: They thing. should be in the same place now. Fingers crossed.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, now I know where everything is. but the the first time I walked into the den to teach, I was like, whoa, what yeah, is this? Yeah, no.
0: the the first The first hour, the first day after he, the guy, the the contractor had cleaned, uh, changed the floor, and uh, Miguel and Jonas and I went down, and we were like, hmm, and because they had moved everything into the center, oh. and it was this massive. Basically, it's like you click shuffle on Spotify and yeah. everything's like. Tsup. I, God, so because so you had everything. to move everything, is it? Yeah, because, I mean, they, they took out the carpet and then they put the floor down. Mm. And so that was a hard thing to do, I assume. I mean, I, I paid him and he took care of it. Cool.
2: But he was just like, yeah, my work is done. Yeah, you take care of the was furniture. was covered
0: with like, a thick layer of dust. I assume mm. when they took out the carpet, yeah. uh, several decades worth of uh, dead human skin yeah. and whatnot.
2: That carpet. I think we can clone people. With stuff from
1: that probably. carpet, probably
0: there's some there's probably some history in there. Yeah, you know, like maybe a couple of uh, you know coolies from ancient China. <laughs> just you know, th- the building is old enough. It feels like yeah. Um, <laughs> we still have a bit left. If you are, uh, still hankering for that that old old timey carpet texture. The storeroom is still carpeted. I'm just
2: imagining how you just like stick it on the wall and have it like a street. look at. It's like a lucky. Just like ru- rub this area for luck.
0: Yeah, maybe this is the part where Carl left a bit of his knee. Oh
2: example. yeah, he, there's some Carl blood.
0: There was, yeah. yeah. I I mean, they threw all the carpet away that they, mm. they got their hands on, so maybe not. So Carl, if you're listening to this, uh, we might need to bring your knee back to Singapore at some point. Uh, just, you know, just uh, baptize <laughs> uh, our new floor. Very cool. So... Uh, Tell me, uh, Bhavani, uh, So right now, as a professional artist, you have Instagram. Yeah.
2: Uh, yes. Um, my Instagram is bunker draws. There's ah. there's story behind that, but now I've just leaned into it. Um, so, yeah, my Instagram is bunker draws. My website is bunker Okay. All
0: right. Links in the shop. bio for to this uh, for this episode. And you have a shop? I,
2: yes, I do have an online shop. Uh-huh. I see my sticker, actually, on the back of your iPad.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay.
2: and I also see jeans. Yes.
0: Adorable little... And my COVID <laughs> vaccination one beside that. Oh, nice. I got that to, uh, Tuesday.
2: One day. One day I will get vaccinated. Today is not that day. I've registered like five times
0: already. Yes. Yeah. Although, uh, I think they're aiming to get at least uh, most of everyone uh, done... By August,
2: we'll see. I'm literally the last person in my extended family to get vaccinated, uh-huh. and I live in Singapore. Like that is that is
0: yeah. Singapore has been oddly slow, right? Yeah. Like, but at the same time, it's so uh, apparently vaccination isn't necessarily a guarantee because like Israel was really fast off the blocks, and now mm. they are dealing with uh, I think upsurge in the Delta variant as well. Right. So yeah. hey, I guess we are just going to have to live with this for a few decades. Yeah,
2: the, it's not going to go away.
0: Unfortunately, I think the word is now endemic.
2: Yes, it's gonna be like the flu, I suppose. You just get booster shots,
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess the Spanish flu killed like a bunch of people, and now we're just doing it all the time, right? And just the flu. Oh,
2: yeah, that's true. Yeah, it happens what every hundred years.
0: Hopefully, not another one in my lifetime. Then, fingers crossed,
2: yeah. (laughs) It's like that's a it's like much like how young Kim used to say, that's a problem for the future.
0: Uh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and now my like, middle aged game is like ah that is a problem for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, thank you for spending this uh this last uh forty five minutes or so with me. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to to mention before we finish up?
2: Um, not really. Other than yeah, the I guess we got sidetracked by the online sh- uh by the stickers. But yeah, my online shop is still open.
0: Great stickers, by the way.
2: Oh thank you. Yeah, I want to get new stuff. Again, no time because I've been preparing for my uh, masters applications.
0: Masters applications. So yeah. What are you going to study? Uh,
2: I want to study illustration and or animation, uh, if they offer like a elective or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm mostly looking at either the UK or Canada. Also because their visa situation is slightly better now. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, I did look up that the UK has a graduate visa. Uh-huh. If anyone knows otherwise, please tell me. Uh Uh, Then you can like stay there for two years if you have graduated, master's or even undergrad. So the idea is to be able to get a visa to
0: live somewhere else for a while. Why do you want to get a master's?
2: Mostly because, well, my undergrad, I think if you guys haven't figured it out yet, Mm -hmm. my undergrad was a total bust, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm this close to just going back to NUS and demanding a refund. Uh Uh, And... I do want to study. I do like studying. Uh And this time, I want to study on my own terms, study stuff that I like.
1: Uh
2: I genuinely like like the environment, like academic environment. It's just, it's just that I would like a more accepting academic environment. Okay. So it's for the
0: pursuit of knowledge?
2: Yes, uh, definitely. I, I I always feel like I don't have the skills for anything. It's, it's, it, it's definitely like imposter syndrome and a a bunch of that, but Mm -hmm. also because I never professionally learned anything Mm -hmm. other than just like, you know, like off like just oil painting classes once or twice, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, I feel like I'm unequipped or under equipped, especially Mm -hmm. when I am competing against like, say people who went to Lazal or SOTA or just generally people who had the education. I'm not saying that education is probably, education is not the end all for all I know, I might be in the same situation after my master's, but this time I'm definitely better equipped or right. better prepared for that.
0: Okay. I mean, the, only, the reason I asked is because I guess there was a stage in my life where I was considering should I go and do uh, higher education, maybe mm-hmm. on a, a bachelor's, right? Because as, as someone who started my own business, I've, no one's ever asked me, oh, what uh, did you go to university for? It doesn't really matter mm-hmm. because if I can provide a service, it doesn't matter to them. Uh, and I've not ha- had a, I've not been employed other than as an intern, mm. right? So p- people have never said, oh, what's your degree? It's never mattered. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I got to a point where I'm like, why would I do a master's? Because it's a significant time and energy and money, of course, yeah. because these things are not cheap. Uh, and would it get any kind of return for me mm. at this point? And so I was just wondering, does ilu- is it a little bit different from illustration where if you have a master's, does it open some doors?
2: I think it's just to get my foot in the door. It's a couple of things, right? Masters, other than just knowledge for the pursuit of knowledge, which Uh I have the privilege of being able to do because my father can pay for it, Uh right? Right. Uh, But there's also the, it's easier to get a visa to live somewhere if you have a degree in that country. That's how I managed to Uh kind of live in Singapore pretty easily. I got my PR pretty quickly, Right. right? Because I did graduate from NUS, so that is definitely a part of it. Like, I want to use that master's degree as a means to immigrate. Right. If the Singapore government is listening to this, no, that's not true. I, I applied yep. for citizenship. I want to live here forever.
1: Uh. Hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, that plus um, a lot of the universities I'm applying to have... Uh, industrial attachments mm. or people okay. from the industry so a mentoring nice
0: of, a, a kind of built-in way of getting some experience
2: mm-hmm, definitely mm. yeah mm. and I'm excited because I just want to see a different place I just sure. want to you know The a big place right yeah a yeah,
0: for what a decade two decades now? a decade now yeah
2: yeah. I, yeah so I've only ever been in very tiny very narrow-minded countries
0: mm. Mm. it's gonna help your citizenship
2: it's not helping definitely. <laughs> I think I think that ship has sailed, Kim. Yeah. That <laughs> ship has sailed. Uh Singapore was definitely better. Like it was it was like between a rock and a hard place for me and sure. obviously Singapore was the better choice and I do not regret coming here at all. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just the hey, there's better stuff out there, it's I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's places with seasons that I want to <laughs> I want to experience. Right. Like actual winters, you know. So
0: Okay. Well, I think that quite nicely answers the, the usual last question I asked which is where you hit the next yes. so very cool otherwise uh, this has been Bhavani hello Bhavani hello and uh, this has been Geniuses Poets and Artists episode 13 uh, I'm Kim once again and thank you for listening so uh, if you'd like to get a pin uh, just tell me what uh, what team did uh, Bhavani coach and then leave and then you can get a free chicken pin. Awesome. Uh, send that email in to improv. Uh, no, that's not right. Contact. Contact at improv.sg. That's the email you should be sending into. to, or just you know sending to my phone number, which I'm not going to put in this podcast. You know, if you know my phone number, you have it. Uh, and as usual, speak truth to power. And our uh, guest next week will be Jess Vaz, uh, most recently of Almost Viral and Lay Musicables. So uh, keep a lookout for that.